This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Tiger Talk with Pat Caputo and the radio voice of the Detroit Tigers, Dan Dickerson. This one is gone! On Tigers Radio, 97.1, the ticket. The phone number is 248-539-9797. Obviously, there was some big news in the uh, world of college football today. But, you know, Tiger Talk, Dan Dickerson is like, uh, you know, it's like that relentless Joe Frazier just keeps coming <laughs> week after week throughout the winter because we love baseball and we're going to talk some baseball. And coming up at 7.15, we'll have somebody that, uh, you know, really has established themselves as a real solid major leaguer at the uh, staff ace, uh, Matthew Boyd. He'll join us at 7.15. So, hey, we're here. We're talking some baseball, 248-539-9797. Ticket text at 97136. Pitchers and catchers report this week. First workout a week from today. And then uh, full squad reports their first workout the 17th. I mean, yeah. it's it's coming quick. Yeah, it is. And, uh you know, it's been a uh, an off season uh, for the Tigers in which they've actually uh, done a lot. But there, you know, at the end, there's and I, I understand it. There's a lot of uh, skepticism, you know, coming into the season. They won 47 games the entire year last year, so you know, people look at it and say, well, how much can they be improved? But here's the thing that's uh, very, very uh, important. I don't think it is about right now. I think it's about what it's going to be like a year from now. And in my opinion. Uh, I think a year from now we're going to have a much different uh, uh, perspective on the Tigers than what we have now because they got these five pitchers, uh, Casey Mize, Matt Manning, Tarek Skubal, who we had on last week, uh, Alex Fajardo, and Joey Wentz at AAA. Uh, four of those five guys were number one draft picks. Now, think about this in another sport. And, and Wentz was 40th overall, which is technically a number one draft pick of Atlanta. If you had four number one draft picks that were all coming up about the same time, you know, how would you feel about it in another sport? Right. You know, if they're all approaching it. And the other one uh, is Scooble. He's not – Mize was the first overall pick. Manning, people don't realize this, but he was ninth overall. They took a $3.5 million signing bonus to, you know, to ink him, you know, keep him from going to the college ranks. He was an outstanding basketball player when he was younger and decided on his father was an NBA player on baseball. And, uh, you know, when you're talking about Fajardo, he was a first-round draft pick as well. And, and Scooble, he was a ninth-rounder, but it was after he had Tommy John surgery. He was a legitimate top-50 prospect before he underwent that procedure. So this is not something that's you know, should, take, should be taken lightly. And I did a lot of research on this today. I, this was what I was writing about when all of a sudden it was like, oh, maybe it's not for tomorrow's Oakland Press. <laughs> Something uh, else happened Daily this afternoon. Morning, yeah, Morning Sun and <laughs> Daily Tribune or whatever, the News Herald or whatever. Uh, it's uh, also, you know, I got to, you know, the D'Antonio thing. But sure. uh, this is something I worked on. And 
I watched uh, pretty much every pitch those guys threw at Erie last year. I uh, went back and watched a couple of their outings. And I'll give you an example of something that I saw. It was Matt Manning. It was August 3rd. They're pitching against New Hampshire. It's just a start, right? And, I, you know, it wasn't his best outing. It wasn't his worst outing. It was kind of an in-between outing overall. But he, the first hitter of the game hits a double off of him. So he's pitching out of the stretch, right? Uh, he strikes out the next three hitters. You know, he's got that big curveball and, and his fastball was, you know, he's, he threw, threw it. Then he struck out the first two hitters of the next inning. And the last three pitches went 95, 96, 97 to strike out that hitter, all you know, on high fastballs. And then there was a ground ball to first, a weak ground ball, and he had to get over. Now, this is a six foot six pitcher, and he covers the bag. And I thought it was a snippet of what is why Manning is a little bit different. All right. Throws a high arm angle, everything comes in high in a high plane. The difference is when it comes through that pitch tunnel. You know, which people talk about 23.9 or whatever, and this is what he's probably working, I would guess. Uh, you know, it, 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 it either drops off a table or it stays up because he spins it so well. You know, it stays up. It, it defies gravity more right. than somebody who doesn't have a high spin rate. And it makes it like you either – you're it, once it gets there, you got to decide if he throws a strike, you got to guess. And, and even if you guess, it's going to be hard to barrel him up. Now, he hasn't perfected this yet. But he's doing pretty well. He's got a high upside. So the different type of pitcher than Mize, but Mize, outstanding as well if he can manage to push through after 100 innings. So there's a lot there uh, for people to uh, feel promise about. Matthew Boyd will join us at 7.15 tonight. And, uh, Bill, you're on Tiger Talk at 97-1 the ticket. What's up, Bill? Yeah, how you doing, Pat? Good. Uh, real quick. Oh, hi, Dan, too. Uh, by the way, <laughs> hi, Bill. <you> know, <laughs> we've had number one picks back in the day with Barry Sanders and Andre Ware back in the late 80s, early 90s. They didn't produce anything. Think, I mean, the only thing that I can hang my hat on is with the Pistons when we got Aguirre and we had Isaiah, you know, it was late in the decade in the 80s, they produced a championship team. So, I mean, yeah, they're number one picks, but I mean, I'm not really. Hopeful. I mean, yeah, I mean, they're number one picks, but gosh, look well, at Tom I, I get your point, Bill, but my, my point about this is if they're number one picks, okay, and they've gone through the process of minor league baseball up to this point and they haven't had success, I think your, your point, you know, is pretty well taken. It doesn't guarantee you anything, but the point of it is that they've had four of these five kids were number first round draft picks who all had. Well, three of them, exceptional success last year at various points. And they're all coming up together after they, all five of them had very good seasons last year. Well, four of them, uh, well, you can say three of them had very good seasons. The others, very promising seasons. So, and they're all about the age where it can be a nucleus, uh, uh, you know, some kind of light at the end of the tunnel. I'm I'm not making some grandiose, uh, you know, prediction here or something. But, but the sports are completely different. I mean, yeah. you're, wa- you're watching minor league baseball players climb two, three, four, sometimes five, five different years. levels yes. over three, four, five years. Are they? The question is, are they progressing? What do outside talent evaluators think of the guys that you have? And right now, by I would say national consensus, 
easily. Mize, Manning, and Scuba are all in the top 50 when you see a top 100 list. And in a couple, they are all in the top 30. So that's what that's how you judge whether these guys are progressing and whether they can make an impact. And I've done history, this. History uh, says two of the three might not pan out. That's what history says. I'm actually optimistic about all three panning out. But just be aware, there are guys, there will be guys because of injuries or whatever who will flame out. But of that group of five that you mentioned, a double A, I think there's a pretty good chance, given good health, that four of the five are going to make the major leagues. Well, I think I think all five of them will pitch in the major leagues. It depends on, and that's pretty amazing. Yeah, and you know, how much who's going to be a number one, two, or three starter? The the promise of it is, and look, you know, I can take this for whatever it is. I, I've done this for like a zillion years on it. If anything, the national guys are underrating those guys. They are the the, the big three, and Wentz is way better than people think. All right, and uh, you know he's. He was a, he was 40th overall pick at 22. He more than held his own at the end of the year. He still got some issues to work on. Him and Scuba on their command, but I don't know. I'm not saying to trust me, but no, I just yeah, my, you are. You're just, saying trust me. Just on my observation, they're better <laughs> than the prospects that the Tigers have had for the entire time that I've covered them as pitching as a group by far. John, you're on 97, won the ticket. Tiger hey, talk. What's hey, John. Up? Hey guys, thanks for having me on. Um, I haven't been following the off-season moves uh, within the division, but I expect the Tigers not to be a 47-win team. I think they're going <laughs> to get up in the 60s at least. I expect them to compete with Kansas City, Chicago, maybe even Cleveland, but uh, is, is Minnesota still the clear-cut favorite to win the division, if you know? Uh, the White Sox are gaining uh, a lot of ground. A lot of people like the White Sox that maybe this will be the year that they pop. So it's And that and that's always the, I think they've made the great moves this offseason. But it's always the this is okay, you've made these moves and again, I think this offense is going to be much improved. It had to be pitching is going to be much improved. They've got good young players. Luis Robert is on the way. But going from a 70-win team to contention, that's a big step. That's the big step. It's the step the Tigers took in 2006, obviously. I think the Sox are absolutely ready to take that step. Yeah, so it's it's going to be uh, the Twins are the prohibitive favorites, but at, you know, and the but you can't count the uh, Cleveland out. Never, never. You know, they got a lot, still have a lot of high end talent despite the moves that they've made. But uh, I think Minnesota's the favorite, but uh, with Cleveland as the uh, kind of the you know the uh, second spot, and then uh, when you look at it, uh, the one that could be the up and comer is the uh, White Sox with the Royals and the Tigers kind of rounded out the rear. How do you try to figure the Twins' offense this year? I mean, I, 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 how do you figure it? I don't know. They almost doubled their home run total last year. Could they possibly hit 300 home runs again? I would say no, but they, well, they did got, it last year, and all 50, those guys are basically back. Well, 50 of those home runs are with oh, the Oh, yeah, Tigers. by the way, Josh. <laughs> yeah. How many? 50 of them. Against the Tigers? No, 50 of them are now with the Tigers. Oh, right. Scoping but they added Chrome. Josh Donaldson. Yeah, well, it's, you know, they make up for some of it. <laughs> when we coming up next, we'll talk to Tigers pitcher Matthew Boyd. This is Tiger Talk and 97 won the ticket. Tiger Talk with Pat Caputo and Dan Dickerson on Tigers Radio. 97 won the ticket. The 2-2. Backdoor slider. Got him. Perfect pitch, and Matthew Boyd strikes out the side in the fifth. Oh, good call. Strikeout number seven ends the fifth. Uh, we're scheduled to be joined by Matthew Boyd uh, momentarily. 
But, uh, you know, he had a heck of a year last year, and uh, a lot of the reasons why, I think, Dan, it's Tiger Talk, 97 won the ticket. Um, Pat Caputo, Dan Dickerson, is, uh, you know, the fact that uh, he never stops working to improve. He just keeps getting better and better all the time uh, as a result of that. What he did last winter was phenomenal. I mean, he really wants he wants to pitch until he's at least 40. And, okay, he knew that if he was going to get there, he would have to change his body shape, his diet, his nutrition, his workout. Pro- I mean, the works. And he did last winter. So people are like, oh, he's too thin. No. He lost weight the right way. He was in a fantastic shape. He, I thought, wore well over the course of a season. And there were improvements. The 39 home runs is still one of those things that, you know, Matt won't say it. He'll say, you know, okay, I've got to be better. I've got to make sure that I know, you know, when I give up the home runs, why I give up the home runs. But, I mean, some of that was the ball. You look at his home run per fly ball rate, it's skyrocketed just one year, last year, when home runs were flying all over the place. There were improvements for Matt Boyd last year in swings and misses, and that's going to be fascinating to see what he does to take the next step. Yeah, it's a pretty amazing uh, uh, story. But joining us now is uh, Tigers pitcher Matthew Boyd. How are you, Matthew? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Good. We're doing well. So uh, good to hear from you. You know, I I asked you this question uh, when you were on the – media tour but i made the mistake of asking a two-part question but i've been net pat yeah i never, mean you never, never never do that <laughs> so i never got around to the second part it was in the media was there and, and I, I asked you about uh if you had a choice uh because your uh, velocity is below the major league average for a starting pitcher and your spin rates above it and yet your strikeout yep. rate is like i don't know third or fourth best in baseball ideally you'd be like garrett cole or jv and have both would you take spin rate <laughs> Or would you take velocity? Oh man, um, that's a tough question. I mean, <laughs> gosh, can, can I say a third third answer and say neither? I just take <laughs> like lo- location and multiple pitches. I mean, okay. that's, that's you know that's I mean, uh, spin rate. I, I think spin rate and velocity, depending on how they use them, are, are equally effective, right? Um, it's a spin rate though. I think is only. I think it's beneficial when you can couple it with other things, right? So like what, um, you know, I, I have, I have above average spin rate. I don't have elite spin rate, I think. Um, and you can, you can quote me that I might have below average. I, I probably don't know it that well. But, no, your spin rate <laughs> is above average and your velocity is okay. below average for a starter. It's not yeah. bad velocity, yeah. but yeah, it's, yeah. it's, no. it's kind of like a little bit above in one and a little bit below in the other. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. Um, so I mean, basically, sorry, that's Isaiah right there. There you go. It's, uh, <laughs> Isaiah's how um, old now? Isaiah's uh, six? six months old. Yeah, six months Five old. Five months old. Five months okay. old. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry, but uh, <laughs> but yeah. So, anyways, I would take though. I would take. See, I, I, I like the spin rate because this is like, and you know, Dan, we talked about this a lot um, on the road. Is like it's all about what what the hitter sees, right? So right. if I can have if I if I have spin rate. Um, you know, the big thing for me is that like I can, the ball's going to act like it's perceived to rise and that couple that with pitches that also drop exponentially, you know, if you can have 16 to 18 inches of vertical break on the baseball with your fastball and then, you know, take that to nine inches of vertical break with your changeup and then 11 and negative 11 inches of vertical break with your slider and then negative 18 with your curveball you're kind of, you're making like a 36 inch window there, basically wow. taking the, you know, ball yeah, out when of you put it so that, that way. 
Yeah. Does that make sense, Pat? You know, like, yeah, I was like yeah. thinking of it in that sense. That, that's what I would take. You know, that's kind of my game. That, that's I'm biased, obviously, because I don't have 98 under the hood right now. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah. You know, I, I left the way I kind of see it. You're always working to get better. We were talking just as you were coming on about the changes you made last winter. What did you take away from this season? I know there was, you know, certainly talk that you went from being 60% fastball slider to 80% in 2018 to 90% fastball slider this past year. Home runs went up. I, as I said, you may not say, but I will. The ball is a part of that, period. End of story. It's certainly part of it. But what did you take out as you tried to work the changeup? And I think the curveball as well, but it seemed like you really wanted to work the changeup back into your mix of pitches in September especially. What are some of the things that you had learned from the season and that you want to that you've been working on this offseason? Yeah, well, you know, um, one thing I really learned. I'm so sorry, guys. Sorry. Right. Buddy here. Oh, no, that just brings man. a personal touch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're down here in lakeland already so oh you are okay yeah the daughter got into something tonight so she'll, but uh but yeah no um so uh yeah it's you know one thing that i've really learned is that um it's it, you know i i learned what i have success with right yep. and for the main thing for me that's you know pitching fastballs up in the zone and that's uh also you know spinning the ball down and um you know it's for me, that's uh, like I, I, I had a lot of success doing that for the first time in my career. Um, now, I kind of fell in love with that, though, right? Yeah. So, well, it's that, fun when you get a lot of swings and misses, and your swings and misses were up a ton. That's fun. <laughs> yeah, it is fun. Hey, it's, it's a lot of fun, right? Um, it's a lot of fun. But, like, you know, with that, I had success. A lot of that is going into a right-hander, you know, and I commanded my glove side well, so I was pitching in a lot. You know, I kind of early in the year, I was good at commanding the ball down and away, but I kind of got one-sided on the plate. So when I have a breaking ball that's coming into a righty and I'm commanding just my glove side, it need, you know, I, I fell away later in the year from commanding my arm side with that fastball and also using my changeup. So go, taking that, I went into the offseason saying, okay, obviously there's things that I know I can do that I didn't do, like command my glo- arm side with my fastball and you know, utilize my change up more, utilize my curveball more. But we also went in um, and just on the on the sense of what we worked on on the pitch side, pitch design side, we, you know, we said, okay, well, how can we make my change up even better? How can, you know, I didn't throw it a lot, but yeah. I'm going to. How can I make it even better? How can I maybe kill the spin rate on it a little bit? How can I, you know, make it sink a little more on my curveball? How can I make that more of a consistent pitch? How can I, you know, make it, uh, make it have more, you know, break down, how can I make it have tighter spin and whatnot? So, you know, we went in and we worked on those things and, um, you know, on the pitching side and, uh, like, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. We feel really good with the work we put in though. And that's at driveline. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Part of it's, uh, part it's at driveline. You know, I went in there, I, I went in there a handful of times this year and, uh, working with some of their trainers. Um, and, uh, you know, one of them, uh, Bill is his name. You know, we, we, we were, we kind of broke down what we did at the beginning of the off season say, Hey, like, you know, what did I do this year? What were my strengths? What were my weaknesses? They have their own idea of what I, they think I can work on. And then I say, okay, this is what I would like to see. And, uh, we kind of collaborate and then say, okay, how do we go about doing that? And, um, you know, I would go down there and then also at my gym at athletic training Institute, I, you know, we, we bought an edutronic and, and bought a, uh, a rap soto. And, you know, we have a mound in there too, which is a little closer to home. Right. So, was able to break it down in there every time, um, you know, we're playing catch or just throwing saying, Hey, how's the spin coming off and whatnot. And it was, uh, 
it was really beneficial. Yeah, just uh, give some background to this, uh, uh, Matthew, because a lot of fans, you know, I get I talk about this quite a bit, and they, they always look at me like a little a, a rapsetto is a device, you know, uh, yeah. in which you, you take a lot of data is collected from it, and Edgertronic is a camera uh, that exactly. uh, shows the uh, baseball as it rotates. Spin by spin by spin in by spin. super slow yeah, motion, so yeah, you can yeah. get that feedback to your brain. Right, and yeah, then exactly. yeah, yeah, and the uh, drive line is a Seattle-based. Uh, uh, I, I guess you could call it a company in which a lot of players. Uh, uh, to read a book, if you want to know, I think the MVP machine uh, probably defines it better than anything else. Um, yeah, tells you about you know Trevor Bauer and the pitch tunnel and all these Orwellian things that people. Uh, that I, like me mentioned, and people look at me funny. Orwellian thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, Pat, that's Pat's favorite word this offseason. Yeah, because people look at you like, you know, they just want to know what your but, wins and losses are. But you know? design, when you talk yeah. about designing pitches, that's that's how you're using technology. And I think it's fascinating. You, you, you're literally yeah. designing and kind of reshaping your pitches based on the technology and make, that's how you're using it to get better. Exactly. And that's exactly it, is that learning how to, you're, you're basically, you know, like what the technology does is I heard it said best today by one of the coaches at Tiger Town. It, it cuts, it, it, it just it expedites the process, right? right. You're, you have all these cues that you've always learned. Hey, get on top of the curveball, get on top of it. Well, then when you can actually see it on the slow motion on that camera that shoots up to 8,000 frames per second, Jeez. you're seeing that you start, you're seeing the curveball come out at a thousand frames per second. You're going, Oh, my hand's actually open. Okay, right. that's what he means. We could get on top of it, let it roll over the top of my finger, and then it's like, okay, let's 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 see how throw this one. Let me let me think something differently on this, and let's try that. And that's that's the cool thing is that, that all that technology just it speeds up the process. It takes a lot of the the crap shooting out of it, if you will. You know, yeah. and you're not shooting in the dark as much, but you're getting that audio, you're getting that visual feedback. I mean, and you're also getting the data feedback, and then you couple that with like the expertise of someone like Rick Anderson, right? Rick's got such a great, like, we are so fortunate. I'm so fortunate to have him as my pitching coach. He's got this knowledge of pitching in the game of baseball that you're sitting there and you couple, you, you know, we're sitting there in a bullpen and you couple his knowledge with the, with a rap soda right there. And you're saying, Hey, he's saying, get on top of this ball right here. Watch. I bet this changes. If you think this, Yeah. and then I do it and then it goes, Oh, wow. Like you're right. That's amazing. And that's the kind of thing that's like, you know, that really is. You couple those two things together, you need the coupling. You couple those two things together, yeah. that's when something can really take off and something special can happen. Yeah, I think uh, with your career, uh, that's been something that shows uh, the combination of the work you've done uh, to prepare yourself physically uh, with uh, using that technology and other aspects you're coaching. Um, and you have a good background. Oregon State was a great place to go to be a major league player, I think, too, as well. As maybe you help make you uh, what you are. Hey, good luck to you this year, Matthew. And uh, enjoy your family. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank Lovely you, giggles Pat. in the Thank background. You, it's, sorry, bedtime. Yeah, you know, it's, it's bedtime. It's bedtime, isn't it? Yeah, it's bedtime here in Lakeland. So, you know, everybody's in the room now. I'm sorry about that, guys. But thank you for having uh, me it. on. Truly, Thanks. truly grateful for it. Thank we'll, you. We'll Thank see you in a couple of weeks, Matt. Yeah, there Take you care. Go. That's Matthew Boyd. That was, a, that was an interesting discussion in the – 
the long and the short of it, he's really worked hard to become what he has as a major league pitcher. I know, and people might hear pitch design and what is that, but that's exactly what the technology is being used for. Like, he's, what did he say, 8,000 frames a second? I didn't even know it was up to 8,000 frames a second. Whatever it is, again, it's that immediate feedback. Okay, now I'm going to try this. But as he said, a certain thought is in your head to help you get on top of, say, a certain pitch. And then that the visual feedback just speeds up the process. It's pitch design is a real, it's a big deal. And he is committed to it. Casey Mize told us the same thing. Yeah. And, uh, and that's why is, I think Casey Mize is going to be here sooner rather than later. Well, they, the, the kids that are coming up now, especially those at big time programs understand that. And coming up next, something at the scoreboard at Comerica Park that you should look at in, re, in regard to what Matthew Boyd just said. And I'll explain why it's like, I can't that. wait. That'll be coming up next. Tiger talk, 97, won the ticket. Tiger Talk with Pat Caputo and Dan Dickerson on Tigers Radio 97.1. The ticket. The one, two. Swing and a miss. Wow. Slider just ate up Elvis Andrews down and in. What a pitch. He has a breaking ball that comes up. (laughs) And when it starts to break, it looks like it gets faster. There you go. That kind of describes some of the things that are going on with Matthew Boyd. Uh, that was Double D, Dan Dickerson, with that call. And uh, what's uh, you, you, the first exhibition game? February 22nd? Phillies. Phillies at Lakeland. At Lakeland. So it'll be good. I can hear be that there. sound. I love that sound. <laughs> Nothing like the sound of Lakeland, the first uh, exhibition. And I'd love to see the look on your face when you're tuning in in the eighth inning and you're going, I know this prospect system. I know this system. Who is this? <laughs> Who are these guys? I know this farm system. I don't know it uh, to the degree as some of those guys. Number ninety six, and they 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 sign a lot of guys in the off season too, and it's hard to keep up with all the various guys at all the different levels that they sign and add to the. No, oh, yeah, I don't know it that well to be honest. You know, I. I know it, so no, I don't spend all my time But that is going to be the fun part, is yeah. that your top prospects, yes, the farm system's been improving, but now those top prospects are mostly in camp. Right. And that's a big difference, either as a non-roster invitee or they're one of the on the 40-man roster. That That's when it gets fun. We're gonna, And as we've talked about, this is a big deal. More than any other spring that I can remember is that they're going to be making decisions based on performance in spring training. Yeah, and you're going to – Ron Gardner answered the question. I don't know whether it was at what point of the caravan or when he was on with us. With us, yeah. Uh, but we were asking him, how do you judge guys in spring training? Right, and uh, he's going – they're going to – they want competition. They don't want to hand it to anybody. And he's going to send these top prospects, Manning, Mize, they're healthy. They're going to throw some innings in the actual major league camp. And it'll be a big deal those days. And they'll send them out early so that people don't start speculating about whether they're going to make the team. No, no, they'll they'll do that. (laughs) They might bring them over, you know, later on. Later on. Later on in camp. But they're gonna they're gonna get some uh, a shot to, you know, throw some innings. And one of the points Ron Gardenhire was making said you can judge a young kid who gets into a jam in a spring game, even if he's facing all double A and triple A guys. They're wearing the major league uniform of say the Phillies. He said, you can you can get a read on a guy because you really are having to judge them much differently than you would in, say, September, which can be tricky, or the regular season because they are facing almost certainly a lineup loaded with majority minor leaguers and in the late innings, all minor leaguers. But you, he said, you can tell. I mean, there are certain things you look for that you can say, okay, that plays at the major league level or he's not handling this very well and that's a, certainly a sign that he needs more seasoning. Yeah, and it was it was very uh, it was a great great day here on Tiger Talk today because 
we had a player bring up the the E word, Edgertronic. Uh, that's a camera. And uh, <laughs> the smile the on Pat's face said it all, everybody. Wraps that out because these are key <laughs> things. And I just wanted to point this out. It just, you know, so you know, okay, because I don't think people realize. They don't, they're not sitting there anymore with a radar gun. They don't have different radar guns in ballparks. Uh, they have the same technology that measures these things. Uh, and it's a better description, it's high optic cameras that measure this to the nth degree. It's not only the velocity that's measured, you know, to the nth degree. It's also how many times the ball's rotating, the so-called spin rate. And uh, the reason the spin rate is important, uh, especially with the fastball, but other pitches as well for different reasons, as you heard Matthew Boyd say, pull back on the spin rate on a changeup uh, to try to get a little more drop, is that uh, if you can flatline a ball, the optical illusion is, that it, the ball looks like it's rising. Hitters swing under it, they swing through it. And uh, if you higher the spin rate, uh, the more the ball stays on a flat line rather than gravity uh, pulling it down at the, the 60 feet, 6 inch point uh, as it crosses the plate. And that little hang on the ball, just the slight little hang, major league hitters will hit that ball 1,000 miles. So you're seeing a lot less of the two-seam fastball being thrown, uh, which is thrown to have a little bit of a break on it. And you try to miss those bats because then it takes out the, uh, the the chance that comes with a batted ball being hit. So that's kind of the, the uh, reasoning behind it. And what I said about the scoreboard is, you know, you're sitting there at Comerica Park, you're watching the game, Matthew Boyd throws his first pitch. And the umpire goes, strike one. And then all of a sudden it'll flash up there. 93 miles an hour, four-seam fastballs. Well, how do they know? Did they they go, hey, Matthew Boyd, did you throw a four-seamer or were you throwing a two-seamer? You uh, see him yelling to the dugout after every pitch. Two. 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 Four. Yeah. Or the Astros <laughs> have got everybody figured out. <laughs> no, we joke. We kid the Astros. But here's the thing about it. Those camera optics pick up. We talked about the Edgetronic camera. Uh, they pick up the rotation of the ball. So if it's at 1 o'clock that the ball's rotating, that would be a four-seamer. Lower would be like a two-seamer. Lower would be a slider. Lower would be a curveball, and then you know a changeup. So the ball and how it's tilted as it goes toward the plate tells them what type of pitch that the pitcher's throwing, and they know that instantaneously. So it goes right up there with the radar gun uh, reading, so that they have that now, and that shows you how far the technology has advanced. And I thought I'd point that out to you for your enjoyment of the game, right. and know that four seam fastballs are generally. Faster than two seam fastballs. Right. There are the occasional guys who throw both equally hard, and you kind of you go, "Wow, that's ridiculous." That Always is. Always think of Garrett is. Richards. I mean, that that guy. Too bad he's been hurt so much. But I mean, ninety five, ninety seven with a sinker is like what? Well, Mariano <laughs> Rivera threw the same you know uh, two seam fastball forever. He threw it a ninety three or ninety four, and people wondered how he, you know, was so the cut effective. fastball. But when you throw a cut fastball that yeah. hard, um, you know, it's got and, you know it's a little bit different, and he. I don't know. I'd have to look at what his spin rate is. I don't know if they measured it to the degree that they do now since he's been out of the game five years or six years. But uh, I would guess that he, he threw it, – it would actually measure what a heavy ball would be, how much that thing was spinning, because it seemed like if somebody did barrel it up a little bit, it would still <laughs> break their right. bat. And know? when you hear about an average fastball, and which, by the way, you hear that it's still trending up, the average fastball is leveled out. Yeah, it has. The best research I've seen, it's leveled out at basically right at 93, 93-1. This is right. three years running now. Right. And you'll see sometimes that it's still going up. That Those who have studied and trying to 
compare apples to apples because there have been over the years three or four different measuring right. devices. You know, now you've got StatCast. Right. You're going to have Hawkeye, I believe, this year. I believe that's going to go into all the ballparks. That's a different measuring system. Right. In other words, he tried to compare and make sure, adjust for FX each different one. That. Pitch FX before that. And the best research I've seen said the fastball is leveled out at 93.1. But those are almost, that's, they're measuring the best fastballs. They're not mixing, as far as I know, two-seam fastballs. Those are four-seam fastballs. Those are, well, they, 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 they will show you if you go to... Um, like Matthew Boyd's average fastball is a combination of four and two-seam, but he doesn't. He hardly throws two-seam. But right. some guys, you'll see their average, but, but Fangrass will break it down, and that's Fangrass, always interesting to me because right. sometimes it's two miles an hour difference between a two and a four-seam, and that's a... Well, that's a that, big deal. That's you know, just so you you can understand this a little bit more. Go to Fangraphs. That would be where I'd look at it because they do do that. They'll show a two seamer, a four seamer. They'll show a slider, and I believe they put the spin rate on it. Uh, Statcast is you know MLB.com's got what is it, baseball savant or whatever, where you can see these different numbers, exit velocity, things like that. And it's not something that's you know it, it's not something that's like oh scary. That's why I use the term Orwellian. Don't get scared about it. You know what I mean? Right. It's not the war of the and worlds here. Just it, if you have a basic understanding of it and figure out, does it mean anything to you? I mean, just know that players are using this technology. I mean, there are some new well, stats that are. don't mean anything, and they don't, to me, or, and then they don't help understand how good a player is or isn't. So you discard those and, and use the ones that make sense and also work that teams are using to evaluate players. Well, here's the thing, you know, uh, that I feel about it. Um, is that, in a sense, because I love baseball so much and I cover different songs, blah, 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 that part of what I'm trying to do with this is when I talk to folks about it, you and I both understand this, but when I talk to folks, fans, you know, not to overwhelm them or think it's scary, it actually allows you to understand who won, why, who's successful. And as importantly, when Al Avila is building his team and he's, they talk about his analytics department, it's not just a bunch of folks in some, you know, room with a computer or something crunching numbers, what they mean. And also, you know, it, it, it's something that's not as difficult to understand as you think if you just got different places that you can go. It, and you're right about the useless numbers, and it's one of my things. Our job, I think, covering the game, yours announcing it, is to explain to folks not like launch angle, which is an ambiguous number that really doesn't mean a lot, and they show right. it all the time. It's about the numbers that mean more. Right. Take your top 20 in launch angle. You can have that. I'll take the guys from 200 to 220 in launch angle. In other words, there's no correlation between the really good hitters. So then you look for the stats that are correlation. Hard hit rate, yeah. Usually yeah. those are some really good hitters. Uh, it's not always the top 10 are the top 10 best hitters. But in other words, there are certain things. And like you said, launch angle, the guy with the highest launch angles. They're not the best hitters well, in the game. Well, I, I think I think the example of it would be Miggy, uh, not last year, but the year before, uh, before he got hurt. Uh, he had a really high exit velocity. It was like fourth in the league, but he hadn't hit any home runs. So you could correlate, like, hey, Miggy's got a uh, his exit velocity is really, you know, top notch still, but he hasn't hit many home runs. Why? And then you look at what his launch angle is, and it will tell you that he and it did exactly that. Yeah, and. And the other thing, I mean, to me, it's almost easier to just look at ground ball, fly ball, line drive rates. You can. The guys with the high line drive rates, like Miguel Cabrera, uh, 
those are the guys who usually have high batting averages because most line drives are hitting 650 to 750. Right. So to me, line drives, fly ball, ground ball rates tell a story. Guy's got a 50% ground ball rate. He's not going to be a home run hitter. Right. He might be in a given year, given the way the ball's flying now, but that's not a home run hitter because he just hits too many ground balls. And, and my hard po- hit rates do matter. I like hard hit rate better than exit velocity because I think the way right. Fangraphs does it, they do a different category right. for ground balls, line drives, and fly balls. It does tell a better story, I think. And if you look at the top 10 in hard hit rate, that's a pretty good list every year. Yeah. Uh, coming up next, we'll talk more about this. Also, we'll talk about those, uh, yeah, I call them the promising five at Toledo. Uh, is that is that a, an official trademark nickname now? I don't know, but I called them that. The promising five. We'll talk more about them coming up next, those pitching prospects. 97 won the ticket. Tiger Talk with Pat Caputo and Tan Dickerson on Tigers Radio. 97 won the ticket. Olsich works from the stretch, third base side of the rubber, the 2-0. Line drive, left field. This one's deep off the bat of Willie Castro, and that ball is gone! Sprinting around first and now into his first career home run jog around third. Number one for Willie Castro and the Tigers take a 6-3 lead. There you go, Double D, man. Can't wait to hear that. February 22nd, Double D, Dan Dickerson, 105 here on 97, won the ticket. Tigers versus Phillies. Worth repeating something about Willie Castro that we said last week from the Minor League Forecaster, which is a really good book, um, Baseball HQ. But their list of top 75 Impact prospects for 2020. These are not the top 75 minor league prospects, but these are the guys who are closest to the major leagues who could have an impact in 2020. Willie Castro ranked ninth. I think it's just a good reminder of what others think of the talent of this young man and what he still might provide at the major league level. Yeah, I think Willie Castro. He's got wheels. You know, I sometimes the the tiger i always appreciate when they talk to me about their prospects and so don't take it wrong but uh, i have a skeptical eye being a reporter and all that uh so sometimes i look at things and they say things that don't to me i I don't see it they got a learned eye and everything so i respect that willie castro defensively i didn't see where he had all these holes but again one of the things that's a challenge for i don't know if it's a challenge i don't watch two or three innings at a time they watch every pitch every inning every game and defensively, it's hard for me to get a line on guys. I can go back and watch Billy Castro real simple and watch his uh, – and I know he's going to – I think he's going to be a very good hitter, solid hitter. Mm-hmm. Um, defensively, I mean, he's got speed. He's a good athlete. On that left-handed batter's box, he flies. He's, he's got speed. So there's some tools there, but they, they're skeptical on his defense. And, uh, you know, I, uh, there must be a reason why. Well, there is, and I'll tell you in a sec. Yeah, but go ahead. Well, the the biggest thing they saw was, and to me, this is very correctable if you've got, as you say, tools. Right, he does have tools. I mean, it was just the simple thing of when the ground ball is hit, gathering up, centering the ball, versus what he tended to do was field the ball off his back right thigh with his legs split. Okay. So think about the difference there. Right. Now you're you're on the move and you're throwing off balance to first, and that's where a lot of his errors in the minor leagues came. So it's just that simple process, centering the ball, making sure that you're gathering it in. Watch the good infielders. They gather it in, if, and then they plant and throw. Yeah. So it's just getting that good base, a good technique. To me, that's very correctable. They were having a hard time getting him to change, but if that's the way you've always done it, certainly that's something he could have worked on in the offseason. But I, I think given the tools that we saw – that should be very correctable. He's got a good arm. Because when I look at uh, Willie Castro, I, don't, I didn't. Everybody does a top ten, uh, twenty list, and maybe I'll do it in the middle of the year when nobody else is doing it or something, and it's kind of pertinent. Um, this time of the year, 
I'll just kind of let that rest. Um, but uh, if I would have Willie Castro high, more highly rated, I think, than what you know the the various mm-hmm. rankings. Um, I've always I, th- I think a lot of him uh, as a potential regular shortstop in the major leagues for a decade uh, because of those tools and he's got the hit tool. He's got what I like about him. You're mentioning it could very well be the case. I, you know, obviously you've talked to somebody about it, but what I like about him as a hitter, he's got a real simple approach. You know, there's not a lot that can go wrong there. He does, and he his bat there there's some life to it. Yes, there is. You know, he'll pop the ball a little bit. Uh, you know, uh, so. I like Willie Cass. I like the I like guys who got live bats, make okay contact. You know, it's not he's got some work to do there, but he does okay there. He's not like one of these whiffer kings, and uh, he's he can run. If, yeah, if he you know, should, I mean, I'm, he, yeah, you know, he, I mean the Tigers no, have a guy who can run a little bit. Yeah, and that's fun. I mean, yeah. it's, obviously the team not <laughs> loaded with a bunch of speed guys in recent years. So when he was going down that first base line on the left handed batter, but oh yeah. Yeah, he, he can move. And he works at it. You can tell he works at it. And I think we'll get a good indication in the spring. I think, you know, Willie or uh, Nico Goodwin's going to get first shot at short. But if Nico or if Willie Cashel plays the heck out of shortstop in spring training, I think that changes the equation a little bit because I still think they really like the idea of Nico Goodwin playing seven positions. I want to congratulate <laughs> Nico Goodwin, by the way, because it's something he'll never be. One of the preseason magazines I got, I forget which one. You know who's on the cover of it? Nico? Nico. Awesome. Nico Gooder. I think of Lindy's baseball. Lindy's. Or you know, the regional <laughs> thing. He'll always have that, you know. So, but anyway, enjoyed it. Like always. I guess it, it can't be done already. Uh, Pistons and Knights coming up next. And uh, <laughs> next we got, Friday, a week from Friday, is our second to last show. There it is, man. Right. And uh, look forward to it as always. Great. That was fun today. Good. Thanks to Matthew Boyd, too, by the way. Yes. Pistons and Knights coming up next with uh, Chris Filar and uh, Inside Hockey Town, myself and Kenny Kell at nine. Uh, we got them all covered tonight. Uh, 97 won the ticket. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.